My name is Elizabeth Lewis, and I'm the owner and CEO of Detroit Mom. As a teen mom, I know firsthand the feeling of isolation and the fears that come at different stages of motherhood. I spent half the time wondering where to find community and the other half dreaming of a way to create that community for myself and the women around me. No mother should experience change and challenges alone. I created this community and podcast to make sure women in my community are never alone. Welcome to the Unfiltered Mom Podcast. The intention of this podcast is to make sure you have a voice and your story is being heard. Good morning. Happy Monday. We are so excited to be back with this week's. This is our second episode. And this week we are talking about driving while black, driving while white, and driving while Muslim, driving any different race, nationality, whatever the case may be, what it's like. And these, and this week we're talking about perspectives from black women and Muslim women, obviously white women. As a white woman, I don't worry about any of these things. And I also, you know, I'm, I'm probably not like a good, good representation maybe of a white person only because I worked at Sinai Grace. And so to get to Sinai, I would drive down six mile or Schaefer. And I was never felt unsafe. Like, and obviously most people that live down six mile are black. And I never, I just never felt unsafe. I don't scan rooms to see whether or not I'm the only white person. I don't worry about driving down the street at night or anything like that. It's just not something that I think about. And so I think for myself, hearing your perspective, and and obviously this is stuff I've learned for years because I've heard this stuff, heard it specifically from a lot of black women or women that aren't white, the, the things that they have to worry about. So I'm really honored to have you guys here again and talking about this because I think your perspective's so needed because I think if we could do, you know, I don't, I hate to say, we need to do a better job making you feel welcome in spaces. I am going to stop talking and let you guys kind of take the stage. I know Erica, we have, we've had this conversation and the reason I really want to, I want to start with this is probably, I don't know, Erica, was it a year ago? I feel like it was sometime in the summer spring or in the, yeah, it was warm because you're at the I had traveled to Howell because everyone was like, you have to go to the Howell Nature Center. It's so great. And so I was like, okay, well, M Street Bakery is over there. And of course I really wanted to go there. I like how I like nature centers too. Okay. But I really wanted to go to M Street. So anyways, I went posted on Detroit mom social and Erica had commented and she was like, is it safe over there for black people? And I was like, well, I don't know the answer to that question. So of course, I asked people who live over there that I knew who actively that live there and thinking now back thinking about this, they were white people and they're like, oh, they're doing so many things to change the dynamic and diversify because I grew up also, Erica, knowing it as the capital of the KKK. And so not even taking it into consideration that black people would feel uncomfortable traveling towel. And so it was, it was for me, like kind of, you know, I had a feeling when I was going there, I'm like, gosh, I really shouldn't post this because I know what they're known for. And then I'd asked a couple people again, they were white and they're like, no, they're really trying to do things to diversify and make, you know, uh, people other than white people feel comfortable being here. And so your comment really kind of pivoted into this, like, man, how many other places don't black Black people, Muslim, and anything feel comfortable going into because they feel unsafe or they feel like they're going to be the only Black person or Indian or Muslim or things like that. And so Erica, I kind of wanted to talk about that experience because obviously I can't give perspective as a Black woman because I am white. And I think it's important to hear your side because I think we just don't think about it, especially if it's not something that we live every day. I wouldn't know to think about it, but it was something I was conscious of just not even thinking back. How could I have done it differently where, I don't know. Okay. I'm just going to stop talking because this is (laughs) one of those moments where you're just like, you're thinking out loud. So anyways, Erica, let's talk about that. Yeah. I feel like I get what you're saying though about, I mean, what else? 
your post, there was nothing wrong with it. You were having fun at the nature center and I loved that for you and for your family. And it's just something where my first thought was, great, you have fun, I'll be over here. And now to be fair, I'm not from Michigan. I'm one of the many transplants. I've been here like 20 years now at this point. So like I learned of Howell, not because I'm anywhere near it. I just looked it up. It's like an hour from my house. So like, I don't really have any business in Howell. It's not somewhere I've needed to go, but you hear the things, you hear the history. And like, as my growing up, as my family would put it, like I didn't lose anything in Howell, meaning like, I don't have any reason to go there. I don't have anything. But hearing that reputation, there's, I've also never heard anything, well, hadn't previously heard anything to then counterbalance it. Like what would make me feel safe? Yes, I know that it previously had some clan activity, which I've actually looked into the history of too. And it wasn't as big as it was built up in my head, but at the same time, things that happened long ago, that's where you get into this awful conversation sometimes of, you know, people say, well, that was 50 years ago. So everything's fine now, but like, no baby, you don't know that. So-and-so that was there during that time, their kids and grandkids are still there. Who knows what was passed down? So like Howell is a place that I have steered clear of, but like your post did exactly what it was supposed to do, where it made me like want to go there. I like nature centers. I want to take my kid. Yeah. I need some assurances sometimes before I can go. Do I expect a sign that says black people welcome? No. Yeah. I, what I look for in a place is to like see, are there people like me there or people of any color at all? Or mm-hmm. are there gay people? Are there trans people? Just something that shows me that people who are other than white cis males can feel comfortable there. And Howell's not shown me that. I also haven't gone to explore it myself. So is that bias on my part? Sure. But it was just funny, the conversation that came out of it because after that happened, because so many of the other women, white women specifically, were saying like, I live there and it's wonderful. The community's great. I had no idea that people felt this way. And then some of our other black moms were saying like, oh no, I'm not going this is something happened to me there, or I've heard the same things you've heard. So it was like this very clear line, almost. Missing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what are, what are we missing in the sense? And this is, I think is a real question on all of like everyone's, but like, how are we seeing two very different? Is it because we don't want to, is it because we really don't like, what are we thinking about? Like, why would you ever have to wonder if it was safe? Every place is safe for you. Yeah. You know, like you would have, you'd be hard pressed to go find somewhere that you have historically been oppressed or murdered or assaulted. Like that's just not going to happen. So why would it be on your brain? It's not like it's a good place to function and live. Yeah. We don't like that space. So why would you or any of the other like white women who were talking about it, why would you be thinking of it? But for me or for Kanisha or for Tom Keen, we have no choice but to think about it because of our lived experience or the experience of our brothers or our friends or mm-hmm. our mothers and fathers. And that's just part of part of how it goes. Like I wouldn't expect you to look for it until after I say something. I feel like at that point though, that's when I would need a white friend to not tell me like, oh, don't worry about that here. Yeah, That's when we're gonna have the problem. Like even if you weren't thinking about it, once I bring it up, I need you to just be okay with that. Yeah. No, that's a, that is actually a great point. I, I was really conscious of it when I was there. I was like, oh, there are black women in here, but they were, there was like a group of black women in M street that, and so, but at the nature center, like you said, I didn't scan to see who was all there. Right. I just didn't, it was more, I was like, oh, people are always asking, I'm going over there. I'm going to share my experience, but it was something in full transparency, when I went there, I had Katie, I texted her and I was like, I don't think I could share this on Detroit mom. And she's like, why? And I was like, they don't really have a good reputation for diversity. <laughs> like, and I would love to talk to someone who, who is black, who lives in Howell, near Howell, ventures to Howell often to get their perspective. Cause like you said, you don't want to hear how a white person and Howell feels safe in Howell. Yeah, that's not helpful to me. That doesn't tell me whether or not I would be. Just or for like, any Black women watching. Or like for a man to tell me, like, you don't have to worry about walking down that street at night. It's totally fine. Like for you, yeah. there's different things that a man would have to think about than a woman. And just 
you know, your perspective cannot be my perspective at that time. And also I should say like, this is not just a Howell thing. This is any place in Michigan, any place in the country, any place in the world. I travel lots of like travel blogs and stuff. And there's articles about these are the safest countries for black Americans to travel to. Like this is something that is pervasive. Yeah. Where else? <clears throat> okay. So that, that's a great segue. Um, I know you had talked about this too, Kanisha, you went to dinner and we talked about it last week. Erica had brought it up how she goes into restaurants and she, do you count or look to see, is that Erica, what you'd be well, like? I only count when I'm like on vacation out of state yeah. <laughs> and I like, am super unfamiliar with an area, but at a restaurant, super big at weddings, I scan. Mm -hmm to see like okay are you going to be familiar with someone like me in this place or not not to look for trouble but just like okay is there what are the odds that someone like me like you've encountered before yeah 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 well fun fact on that one I was the only person of color at my wedding so per perspective of growing up in a predominantly white area right mm -hmm. so yeah, dinner. Like I had recently went to dinner with a friend and after hearing Erica talk about that, I was like, man, I really do do this on a subconscious level all of the time, like scanning the area to see if I'm the only person of color, not just black, any person of color. And yeah, I counted me. I was the only one. And I feel like it is a little bit harder to get comfortable in those situations where you are the only person of color. You're always watching around. Are they looking at you? Are they staring at you because you look different? Are you being judged? And it's not just, you know, here in the Metro Detroit area, but I, I used to travel a lot from, for work, being a social worker. And I traveled around the whole state. I would go travel to the UP by myself. And as soon as I crossed the bridge, all eyes were on me. And I was alone, so I felt a, a little bit more uncertainty being being in those areas. Now, when I'm with my husband, I don't have any issues or my family because I feel like I'm not alone. There's more people to support me. I'm yet still the only person of color in my family, like in my immediate family here traveling, but I have some support with me and I have my husband who like doesn't get those looks. And some individuals like, might sweep it under the rug a little bit like we're not we're not we're colorblind which in all reality that's pooey if you're not recognizing a person's a person's color you're not seeing their oppression you're not seeing the trouble and things that they've gone through but and all all people aren't I, I that's a whole different road to go down right now but the fact is that when I go in public and travel around places here in my own state even going to my hometown I'm looked at differently and that's, it, it is what it is. And it's pretty straightforward. And I have to look around to see if I feel safe. It makes me think too about how, like my brothers live in Atlanta mm -hmm. and I love going down to visit them because I feel like I don't have a care in the world in Atlanta. <laughs> like Atlanta is so yeah. brown and so diverse. It's one of the biggest cities, mm -hmm. you know, in the country. I love Atlanta. I feel like we can get down, we can go wherever. So just like the alternative places that feel like so homey, just knowing that people like you are not a news item when you get there. Like you, you, uh, I would say that you literally feel like the ground welcomes you. So you're able to stand on it. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like there are spaces where I feel like you have to tiptoe. And then you, you, you kind of feel like I, I have to prove my welcome where I am or I have to be certain that I'm welcome here or else I have to tiptoe out of here. So I was gonna ask uh, you ladies as well that do you feel like there's a switch, a switch in your head where you know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. So that switch tells you to be alert, you know, know where the exit side is, know who's in the, in the store or in the restaurant that, you know, that would be, I would say minority or, or person of color or, or for, for me like a Muslim or something like that, if I see a woman in a hijab, or I see someone else, I'm like, okay, this place is probably okay with us being here. And the moment I don't, I feel like there's almost like this subconscious level switch that turns on. It's like, okay, now I have to be, I have to be alert. I need to know where I am and, and how they're going to talk to me. Cause like all that comes into play. Cause sometimes 
people at the register, people who are taking order, people who are there, they're, they're letting you know the vibe. If, if, you know, there's just an air and no one can feel the air unless you're in that space in that moment. And so you have to listen to the people who are in that space and telling you that I don't feel safe here is, is something that, that is so crucial to start somewhere to understand where to go for, for, or further forward. Because there's many people saying, well, I don't know, or you're, you're basing this based on what you heard, what you've seen. No, I've seen it. I've seen hate straight in the eye. I know what it can do. It can make you a person under the, under, under the knee of somebody not even listening to the sound of life go by. We've seen hate. To, 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 to say it doesn't exist or it doesn't exist here or we're getting better, it's too late. I am not going to take the chance. I don't know. These ladies will probably attest to the fact we're not going to wait to see something happen to realize it's safe or not safe. So that's what I meant. And say so you feel the ground. The ground welcomes you. You feel it when you're standing there and you're like, okay, I'm cool. I can sit here. I can I think, enjoy my dessert. I think too that people, a lot of times when they would hear us having this conversation, they would think about that it's all about physical safety and it's not. Do I think that someone's going to beat me if I go to Howell? No. But the emotional safety is like, okay, what right. comment might fly by? What is right. going to not realize I'm in the room and say, and then I have to have, or even say it loud enough for you to hear. Right. And then but I not have your to face. decide, am I going to be that woman? Am I going right. to turn into the person they think I am and say something about it? Am I going right. to keep the peace by letting it say, so like that emotional safety, right. Right. Safety is just as, I don't want to cry home frequently a concern to me right. than physically assaulted. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you don't want to go crying home. You don't want to stand there and be angry in that space and almost question, why did I even go here? I knew my, that little red flag in my head was saying, you know, you should think twice. And I didn't think twice. And there's, there's, there's a process that happens. It, physical safety is like at the extent of it, that's when it's got severe, but yeah, you're right. The emotional scarring, mm -hmm. you know, you feel like you almost build a wound over it, and then there you go, someone picks at it again, and then it's like open again. And this rawness comes from you. You can't be seen angry. You can't be seen like you're standing up. If my husband with his beard, says something you know he's like oh you know there's there's been times when the women would turn to me now one thing I've, i mentioned before is that i started wearing a veil before i got married and the assumption because based on the you know what people assume about muslim women is they wear it after their husband tells them or the husband the males tell them what to do so my husband had no choice i mean he accepted me for who i was because i had chosen this already so they'll say to me they'll be like are you okay do you need help and I'm like, oh, no, honey, like, you know, it's not like that. And so they'll, and they've, they've, they say these things that makes you feel like what they perceive to be true is the truth. And so, and so they don't see the other side of it. And that emotional thing that you're talking about, that, that safety, it's, it's so crucial because like I said, when I'm telling you my story, believe it because I'm telling you it's been there. Right. And so, uh, I don't know, it stirs up yeah. a lot of emotions in me. So I'm just going <laughs> to let the one else turn. You know, something, something that sticks out to me that you were saying too, is that we get into this space where we feel like we have to defend ourselves and we go into this fight or flight, right? What am I supposed to do in these situations when I feel uncomfortable? And something that you said, Erica, is we might say something to defend ourselves, but then immediately we're labeled as like the angry black woman, you know, coming coming out of the gate. And that's who we're gonna know, be known for there, therefore, just because we're saying something that, saying something against something that we don't agree with. And then when we go into spaces like that, or even spaces where it is diverse, you know, we get these microaggressions thrown at us, little things that people say to us that really do hurt our feelings. And we're supposed to, you know, brush it off or laugh or pretend that it's okay. And it's not. So I feel like it is a heightened situation when we're traveling into particular areas that we do have to be conscious of. And it's exhausting. <laughs> Now, Elizabeth, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I feel like, I mean, and I, we talked last week, like I grew up mm -hmm. with all white people, all white, pr mm -hmm. primarily white friends. My husband's white, all of his family's white. I noticed that like, this is not a foreign concept to white people. I feel like white people have been super quick when they walk into a space to jokingly or funnily be like, oh, I'm the only white guy here. And then like, 
I mean, but it's like a funny thing or like they'll recognize the irony of it, but it is not lost. I feel like people will notice. And I don't know if that's been your experience, but I've heard lots of people say like, yeah, I was the only white person there. Wait, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, okay, a white person. So for myself, I can't ever remember, you know, I, I said this before, I think on another episode when Tiffany was on here, I was invited to Tiffany's birthday party and Shannon, my friend, Shannon, who also Tiffany invited both of us. So Shan, so I knew, so Shannon was white and, uh, Shannon, grandma went to the, something happened. Shannon couldn't go. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to be the only white person there. And I'm going to have the best time ever. And (laughs) he was like, okay, I got there. It was the only white person. But in my mind, I was just, all I said to myself was I'm the only white person here and I'm not going to make this awkward. And I'm just going to, it wasn't like though, I didn't acknowledge it to so I guess I'm trying to understand in what, what context, like white people are jokingly. I feel like in the times I've heard it, I mean, obviously something that my therapist and I work on is that I don't know what anyone else was thinking, so I can't mm-hmm. project onto them, but I feel like I'll just hear people say the comment and granted there are very few spaces that this would occur, <laughs> um, yeah. but I would just hear them make the comment like, oh, I'm the only white person here. And then like, that's the end of it. That's the end of the conversation. So I don't know if it's like a, does that, what does that make you feel? What does that bring up for you? Or is it just like you observed it, like you would observe yeah. the sky is blue and you've moved on with your day? I don't know. You know, honestly, in the times that I, like when I went to Tiffany's party using this as an example, and this is where I get so much perspective in the sense of how it must make a black woman feel to walk into a group of white people is when I was there, all I could think was like, God, they probably don't think I should be here because <laughs> I'm white. And maybe I'm not that much fun because I'm white. Like, I don't know. I always have this like perception and this is where things always come into play. Right. And the fact that I'm actually verbalizing this because I probably not have not, I think Tiffany and I have taught Tiff and I have talked about it, but I just think black people are so much fun. And so, (laughs) thanks. and so I was like, when I walked in there, I was, when I, when I had walked in, I was like, gosh, I don't want to do anything stupid. I felt more like I just, I didn't want to do something silly and it wasn't that I felt unsafe or anything. I just didn't want to be the lame white person and not saying what you white people are lame. I'm just saying, I didn't know how, I don't know. I guess thinking back, even like hearing myself say it, I was like, I, but Monique went, Monique ended up going with me. And so her and I kind of talked about it. I was like, gosh, do you think that, do you think that I should be here? She's like, well, Tiff invited you. And I was like, I know, but it, you know, so like here, I would never acknowledge, I guess out loud, I would never say like, I'm the only white person here. Like that's a a thing. So I guess I, I don't know why in my mind, the only reason a white person would say that was to take the that maybe they have, they know how it feels to be a black person, but to take that projection off them or like projecting, I don't know. Cause that's just, I just can't fathom saying that out loud. I don't know. I mean, I guess, I mean, I mean next time I hear it, I could ask like, so what does that, what does that mean to you? Or what I, is, I, you know, yeah. what difference does that make for you? Cause I don't know if it's something that we're relating on or like, you know, you see it all the time and I want to say in some of like, even our groups, when people say, like, Hey, we're thinking of moving what would be a good area? Like, is such and such area safe? And it's always just like, well, what would make you ask that? What yeah. would, what mm-hmm. makes you think that it might not be? Or like, what, what, what's triggering that for you? So it's just curious what's going on in other people's minds. We never know. I'm, I'm really curious about that. I, I wish, I hope someone comments. Erica, are you on the comments? I am. No I one's love, there yet. Yeah. I would love if somebody is white and has felt that I know the I've not walked in and ever felt unsafe. And, but I know that that is different for everybody. Do you know what I mean? I, if I'm walking up on the street at night in downtown Detroit, I don't care if you're black, purple, or orange. If you're like crap, like coming up on me, I'm probably going to be like, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? It doesn't, it has nothing to do with your skin color. So, but I know that that is different for everybody. I'm speaking in my own experience. Also, I've been around enough 
black people, you know, I worked at Sinai, worked with black women. I have the luxury, not luxury. Yeah. Luxury of being around black women in Detroit mom. So for me, it maybe is just a little bit different. So I, I hear it more from black women that are like, Oh my gosh, I'm the only black woman here. So in my, I can give that perspective being that I went to Tiff's party and I was like, man, how hard that has to be to always walk into a space where it's filled with white women all the time in spaces that should be occupied by women of color. So it was just like a great perspective for me. This is obviously pre-COVID. So this was years ago. And I'm pretty sure it was before we started the Getting Comfortable series. It actually was because we started that during COVID. But that's like a really great, great thing for you to bring up, Erica, because I wish more people would just say that because I, I would like to know even speaking when you guys are talking about this, what, what could we do or what could somebody that is not of color do to make it feel better or safer or not put this emotional distress on you when you come into a space that is all white? Like, is there even something that can be done? Well, I guess, can we have, dear, dear white community of America, can we have a conversation (laughs) about the Confederate flags? (laughs) Because like, there's an easy one, like, take it down. I'll feel great. Like, you leave it up. Don't even display it. Yeah. Because I think I was telling you guys last week, my mm-hmm. husband was telling me that he and his brothers went to this like teeny tiny podunk bar in the middle of no place. And he told me after the fact that like there was bad drinks, loud music, like weird crowd and a huge Confederate flag on the wall. And they stayed and had drinks. And I told him like, it's much further than I would have gotten. Like I'd be out of there. Yeah. Where, like, there's not a, not a chance in the world I'm going to go to a place that has visible symbols of you will not feel comfortable here. So like, yeah. oh, that would be a huge step if we can even get like the obvious ones. Yeah. Okay. So that's our first step. What is something else? It's like for, especially for, you know, obviously a lot of white moms watch our series or follow Detroit mom. What is something they can do to make you feel more welcome to not have the emotional stress? Like that makes me so really sad when I hear that. And it's always, I always feel like this where I'm like, what can I do differently or better? Or, you know, I think a lot of other women probably feel the same way. They just don't know how to ask that question. You know, it's something else that I always teach my kids and Kanisha is an example of it right now is to look for symbols and look for anything that would communicate a message, even without saying the words, but like you have that rainbow triangle behind you that communicates something to me right off the bat. And I even teach my kids here at school. There are ways that places can communicate to you who is welcome. And that goes a really long way. Now, granted, the rainbow flag is not speaking to my experience as a black woman, but a lot of times I feel like, okay, if you can be like open to the LGBTQIA community, you're likely going to have some openness to me. Yeah. And I have loved the yard signs, the like in this house. I was going to say, yeah. The first thing you see when you come up to my house is my Black Lives Matter sign in my backyard and my DoorDash or my, my people, I always get a text like, love your sign, like things like that. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's great. But do some additional things like education and reading and and listening to podcasts or TED Talks, things like that. But as a mom, exposure to cultures outside of your own and doing the research on that a little bit, um, you know, and exposures to different, different communities and, and welcoming, welcoming it in the house. And that saying, you know, that we can't, we can't do particular things, you know, I just remember the story. I grew up and I had met a friend in middle school and I, it always sticks out in my head that one of the things that they told me was they weren't in her house. Like I was her first black friend and in our house before I came along like she wasn't allowed to watch the Cosby show like because yeah because they were black like I've never heard that like in my and just little things like that and I think back now like what in the hell like it was like like is that like what is that like cutting your children off from a whole different society of seeing other people that don't look like they do in in company encompassing like more diversity into your home just like watching a show I don't know yeah 
in both? I would say for me, acknowledge, so your children are really open and honest. So if they see something Mm -hmm. different, they'll be like, mom, what's that? You know, and I get that a lot in the grocery store. So, you know, or if I go somewhere, why is she wearing that mom or what is she doing? Right. So kids can sometimes they'll just, they'll just point it out. They're not saying it's a negative Mm -hmm. or a positive thing. They'll just say, Hey, that's different. Mm-hmm. It is that time that education time is in that moment right there to avail that chance and say, hey, why don't we ask? Right. If you don't know, say, I, I don't know, sweetie, but why don't we ask? And this and I'm going to tell you from experience, there are those who have shielded their children's eyes and face away from me. So if, if I walk into an aisle and they have literally been walked up to the middle aisle, they'll turn the cart and say, come in, come over here. And they kind of like once like cover the eyes and they protect the kids. So they just and then they just go the other way. Then there's this, this, this man, and I still remember it was, it was so nice of him. He turned to me, his son said, oh, daddy, why is she wearing that? And he turned to me and he said, let's ask her. And he said to me, if you don't mind, can you explain to us why you're wearing that? And I said, oh, okay, it's part of my religion and I want to you know, cover myself and, and, and this is what I believe in. And he said, and then he turned to his son and said, isn't that really nice of her? And he just left. That was a great moment. So the child in that moment can either be educated, can learn a little, and you can too, or if you move them away, remove that situation, you feel, you're shown them that this is something negative. I'm not supposed to be near this. I'm not supposed to see this. She shouldn't be here or I shouldn't be here, whichever you know, view you hold. And I think mm-hmm. that parents think they're going to teach at a moment, like they're going to have that class. That class is never coming. They think they're going to be able to bring a home book from a library and the illustrations will show that the girl in the hijab or the other child or whatever you want to educate your children are is the moment. That's not where the education is happening. The education is happening in real time. So talk to your child. If you have like if my son will see somebody in a wheelchair and and it's a child has a disability of something and he's like he'll turn to me like and and, and I would it's my job at that moment to say what made you feel you know worried or what made you look what looked different it's okay to have an uncomfortable conversation with your child Mm -hmm. it's okay to say I don't know I don't know sweetie let's go find out then if you don't if you can't talk to that person sometimes it's not a convenient then educate yourself then go to the library hey why don't we just pick out some books about this person because you know it would be great to read about them read read from the authors who have that story their own voices you know I remember growing up and reading about Islam from someone whose name was not a Muslim and it would just be like you know blah 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 blah. and I'm like they don't get it It, it's it's not telling like what I wanted to read as a six-year-old girl or as a seven-year-old girl it just wasn't painting that picture and then when when Muslim authors started writing in their stories in their own voices and then I was like yeah that's how it is on Eid that's how it is in Ramadan so like you know, give and hold space for those people who are willing and are ready to tell their stories and have a shelf for them to say their stories in their own authentic voices. Oh my gosh. No, like that, that is such a great point. I, as a, as a white mom, something I can think of specifically, we go to Hamtramck every year because we do the Polish Easter. We just like it. Like I'm sick of ham. Right. And so my son, he was maybe three. He goes, why are there ninjas everywhere? And I was like, they're not ninjas. That is their religion. And that, you know, like, but trying to explain it to a three-year-old, but I was, I just had to keep saying, those are not ninjas. Like I was just like, but he said it out loud. And in that moment, I was like a little mortified. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I clearly need to expose him more. Now we go there and he doesn't think anything of it because we've had the conversation that they're not ninjas. Right. But he thought it was like the coolest thing, like that there, there's a town with. And it's so funny because as soon as he said that word, you know, in in, in all honesty, because we know we're all being honest, it's such a trigger word in our house because Mm -hmm. when my children have heard that it like, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm physically feeling that, that moment when my children have come home and, have have cried or been so angry you know but I've, I've got more boys and girls so a lot of times it's been them and they'll, they'll be like you know some of them have been really angry I don't want you to come to school again why though because my friend said this about you and he said you're like this and you're like that and you're a ninja and and, and they made fun of you and it hurt me because you know because no one's supposed to talk to my mom about like that and so there's been that and there's so there's certain words we don't even understand could come home and be so triggering for children and so for someone else to be like okay they're just mistaken but but it, it carries weight it, it carries weight so I think that 
I just thought I'd bring that up and I thought it was just something to say that, you know, sometimes we're living and we're using the same words in our vocabularies, yeah. but it can mean so such different things for different people. No, I, I'm glad you said that because I, <clears throat> I, I mean, you're being honest, you're sharing what happened. He said it, yeah. right? but I'm just saying that it's so funny because some kid, if that said, it said to somebody else, that child can take away saying, okay, you know, whatever it is that he's feeling in that moment. Yeah. And how hurtful, like you said, not all, like, it's one of those things, not only is that hurtful for your child because they don't want to hear it, but for you as the parent to have your child feel the way that they do. And then feeling this part of you, that's like, oh my gosh, that people are saying that and talking about it. And I don't know. It just, I hate it. So when you say, when you say that, it just like, I'm like, what could we do differently? I know it's not going to happen overnight, but what can we do a better job on, on educating our kids? And I know we talked about it last week, like advocating, being an advocate for our schools, like wanting that. I think it white, white people have to say it. We have to say it, that we want that training in our schools, right? Because I know several black women who have said it specifically to the district that I'm in right now and we still haven't gotten it. So I think it's gonna take us collectively, not just black women or people of color to speak up and say, hey, I want this training in my school because our kids aren't gonna know the difference, especially if they're not around people that look different than them. They're not gonna know, you know, like my son, we, we only go to Hamtramck once a year or depending on what we're doing. So he'd only be exposed to that that one time, right? Or there was actually, Harper, do, Harper does because there was a mom, but she wore the full, the heads, like everything. And I remember kids asking questions and stuff. And, you know, this is, this has got to be Harper's nine. So my gosh, like five years ago. And I didn't know any of the answers to the questions. I was so much further behind in the learning process, but looking back and like, gosh, I wish that would have been something that would have been talked about in the schools. So it wouldn't be this awkward thing, right? And how that child felt because she felt she probably had to defend her mom. You know, what I know you're, remind, you're making me think about Elizabeth. So like, you know, the question being like, how can people make others feel safe in their space? Yeah. Um, and like one thing that I mentioned is I feel like what I would love for all of my white friends, colleagues, allies, family members to do is like survey your life. If I am the only brown person in it, why? How can you change that? Like your this space will be safer, not just because of the books you read or the trainings that you go to or the podcasts that you listen to, but like what are you doing with your actual life? Like why is your is if your friend group is still all white? do something about that. And also like, don't challenge me to do that for you. And what could people do? So this, I hear this a lot. This is why I'm saying this. I will have, I'll say this. We'll have this conversation on podcasts and, and women will say, well, how am I supposed to do that? Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I feel like join the club, go to a, like join yeah. a club in a different city, join, like there's a billion and 12, like different mommy and me things, like go to one in a different city or a different part of town. Or, you know, there's a chance that you probably know or have met or work with someone yeah. that's of color. Like, to what extent have you tried to seek, like, seek them out and get to know them? Yeah, that's what I was say. We're around, I promise mm -hmm. you. <laughs> Cultivate the relationship more than just, you know, a social media relationship or, yeah. or saying hi when you're passing, things like that. Another thing that popped into my head too, you know, I, I know we were just <laughs> talking about the books and, you know, not just the books and things like that, but I am reading a really awesome book right now called Social Justice Parenting by, I looked up the author because I forgot, Dr. Tracy Baxley. And it just encompasses ways that us as parents can immerse our children into being not only little social justice warriors, but getting them open to other things outside of just their own culture. So I want to learn more about all other different right. aspects as well. So, I mean, I think it's a really good resource, but yeah, 
Exactly what Erica said, expanding your friend group and, and starting there is a great starting point, but not just having like commenting on a post and saying, yeah, I'm a friend because we're friends on Facebook, you know, it's more than just that. And like thinking too, in Metro Detroit area, like we have Dearborn, right. there's like, for what reason would anyone not know someone that is Muslim? Like right. go somewhere else. Just, yeah, just right. go, you know, that's not to say that you can like knock on someone's door and say like, will you be my friend? <laughs> but like, you know, when you partake in other communities, yeah. you partake in other communities, like you learn, you get that exposure. Right. And, I, and, I, and I think sometimes as moms, sometimes we think that, and as pivotal as it is to bring change and show children, work on your own heart. I say, work on your own discomfort, question, sit with yourself and question yourself as to why if there are two places you can be at the same time, why you would veer towards one and not the other, um, it's what's making you choose that, right? What, what, what defines safety for you and what, and if, for example, okay? So a lot of people have said, you're, you're the first Muslim I've met since I've de- uh, joined uh, Detroit Mom and part of the Lansing Mom community. They've said, you know, you're the first Muslim I've met, the first Muslim I've spoken to or first person who covers that I've, uh, that, you know, we've never had that growing up. So even saying that is, is a step and in, in exposing your child. And if they're saying, hey, look, I met a friend, for example, I'm saying, and she's a writer with me on Detroit Mom, but this is what she looks like, or this is, you know, we were talking about her culture and her religion. Let your children see with your own life example, because that is the first education institution, whatever, they read just like books. So if we are, 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 are going to be the change, then the children will see the change because we're, I know that a lot of moms will be like, oh, I want my kids to be more polite. Are we polite? Are we kind? Are we comfortable? Are we compassionate? Are we showing empathy? You know, are you talking to the, to the, you know, I remember they used to be at Walmart. They would have somebody who was um, the greeter at at the door. And a lot of times they would have some type of physical disability. Have you taken the chance to just say hi and you just walk by? Did you make a conversation? How's your day? You know, thank you for that flyer whatever it is, do because uh, kids see that part and then they feel comfortable speaking to that person. But if you've told them, okay, don't, don't, don't disturb them. Let's go, let's go. And you're kind of like pulling them away from places and, and spaces, then, you know, then they're going to think that there's something wrong with it. That's what they associated. That's not my space to be in. I feel like there's so much good stuff on here right now that we just, and there's so much we didn't talk about. Like, you know, I, one of the last things that I really wanted to bring up before we wrap this up is, you know, we, we talk a lot about, we talked a lot about traveling, but we didn't talk about the act of like driving and what it feels like Tumkeen for you, Kanisha, Erica, like traveling and then getting, you know, I know Tiff and I have talked about this a lot, how she feels when her husband drives at night and how she feels when he's not at home or when he texts and says, I just got pulled over, you know, things like that. I think there are so many, you know, I'm assuming black women or women of color in general feel that same exact discomfort, not just for themselves, but for their significant other. If your significant other is, is a black man or you have black sons or, you know, any, anything other than white. And I just thought that before we get off this to address that, because I think it is something that I hear a lot of from black women, from black moms, specifically talking about their fear. Safana on last season had talked about her fear for her son to drive because he's a black man. And I think that, you know, I, I, you know, it's so interesting. I don't think we've ever talked about necessarily how it felt to, to be a black woman driving or getting pulled over by the police, or I would assume that it is the same feeling, even being Muslim. Do you have that, that fear Tumkeen when you're driving that you're going to be pulled over because you're Muslim or because any other reason? Truth. Yeah. When I drive and if I see a cop to my right, left or behind, or I see like a certain white male type of, you know, I have a picture in my mind, I don't know how to describe it, but there's, there's a feeling I get when I feel unsafe. 
I will pick up my my veil and so that I don't they don't, they don't show road aggression towards me or, or pull me over for any reason. So until I pass that, I will pull my veil up so I can pass and I don't, so that they don't quote. Because there was a time not so long ago, a few years ago, when being Muslim and out was, was very dangerous, was, was, was quite dangerous. And so my husband has said that, you know, if you need to go, you know, if you feel like you need to get out, because I was, you know, there was times I was going through a lot of mental health issues. And he said, if you go out, but when you feel like it's not safe, just take off your veil just for that moment and then put it back on when you need to so that you know so that that's not an added thing on you so so i've i've had to do that sometimes i've i've done that and i my biggest fear is being pulled over and me being in my veil and having to stand on the street with the veil on my face and 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 feeling unsafe in that space and so i that's one of the other reasons why i don't drive out of the of the 5 mile radius i have like i just don't I'm not, I do not feel safe with a cop, if, if that answers the question. I do not feel safe. And I haven't, I personally don't feel the discomfort driving. My husband, my husband's white, so he wouldn't. I think about my brothers all the time, but I will say a couple of iPhone updates ago where it came out with the feature that like when you get pulled over, I forget now what it was, but there was like a button you could push that would send your location to somebody and you could automatically make choose your text that would say like I'm pulled over or something. I remember feeling like, oh, I love that feature. Like the sigh of relief of like someone will know where I am. Because obviously in the last couple of years, like that's a helpful thing to have. And to just have that reassurance that like, okay, thank you, Apple Corporation, for at least eliminating one step. Because you think about like when you get pulled over, you don't want to then like grab your phone because then you can get in trouble for like texting, you know, but just like, okay, can I push a button and tell somebody where I am, add that layer of safety. But no, it's not something that I think about every day when I drive. And in part, I have tons of privilege for color-based reasons. Like we talked about before, like people don't assume that I'm 100% black. Yeah, I, I know that I have privilege for that. So do I feel it the way that a darker complected sister would? No. I would say that I have similar sen- sentiments to Erica. I've never felt unsafe in this particular area. Like when I do see a cop or anything like that, I do always, I think just in general, feel a little unease of, oh, now I'm watching my speed. Am I going too fast? Because I know that maybe looking through the window, like I could be a bit more targeted just so I'm extra cautious, like just to make sure. I will say that I am a bit more alert when I drive through a town that I know has been historically labeled. You know, we didn't get really into this, but as like a sundown town. Where is that? Where would you consider that in the Metro Detroit area? I think it's just important to, I think we- Yeah, Livonia, I lived there and I didn't know until later that it was classified as like a sundown town and it for those who don't know what a sundown town, historically in these particular towns, if a person of color would travel into this town, there would be signs posted that say, after the sun goes down, a person of color is not allowed here. So there are these historically known towns around our state, around our country. It's, it's, it's you know, not labeled as that now, but I am more alert when I know just from doing my own research and Erica, I think you have a, a resource that you had mentioned before about this, that, you know, I, I am more alert when I go through those areas. And are there parts of Metro Detroit, like, I, I, like we know we definitely mm-hmm. don't have portion we don't go to, but are there parts of Metro Detroit where you just don't go? I mean, I think that I, I feel comfortable most places. There's parts of Michigan that I don't go. Mm. Yeah. And because, we talked about that at the beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, I, like, I think it's, go ahead. I was going to mm-hmm. say like people go nutty for what, this whole region? Because mm. it's Rapid beautiful, cities, but yeah. like, let's like, I'm not a big fan of past like it just gets sketchier and sketchier and then we were talking about the up up shoreline is beautiful but so is california so you know (laughs) i'm not in any hurry to head out west 
No, no, we, we haven't. We have been living in Michigan for 19 years. We have never gone to Traverse City. We have never gone to uh, Mackinac Island. We have never done any of that because we stop and pray. And so we have to know whether it's safe for us to get out of our car to pray. We pray five times a day as Muslims. So sometimes we have to pray in the, on, on the highway. We have had to pray, you know. And what my husband usually does is him, he'll stand while me and my daughter are praying. Uh, and then I'll do the same for him. And when people, you know, question us or something like that, we will say, so there, you know, Muslims have this memes going on, like praying while, and then you'll be like, wherever areas we've prayed before. And we've, we literally have a drill as our family. Like we've stopped in places outside of Michigan on our way to Smoky Mountains and stuff. And that we'd, we say, okay, everyone locks the car, stays inside when dad goes in. When dad goes in, he, he looks at the area and sees if it's okay. He comes back and tells us whether or not it's safe to get out so that we can go. And then my, I stay in the car with the rest of the kids. My husband escorts one by one each child to go to the bathroom and then come back inside so that, you know, there's someone with him, like with them all the time. So we have these drills that we have. And like even in Metro Detroit, I was just mentioning, we don't go to places like Macomb County East Metro Detroit area from experience. I'm just not like hearsay for me is that we have been so aggressively stared at. There's steering and then there's an aggressive stare. Um, like, how dare you be in my space? Leave, you know, out of stores or in malls, even like, you know, Lakeside Mall comes to in particular that, that it was not worth it. So we just don't go. We don't go to those places. We don't go to fairs any county fairs or things like that. You know, there's a there's a list of places we just don't go. We just it's my like my husband says, it's just not worth it. And we've had to explain to the kids. They say, oh, my friend said they went here, but they went there. And we said to the kids, we said, we don't want to be in this place where we're not feeling welcome or wanted. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I Do you guys have the same experience with Macomb? I've, I've heard it like the east side a little bit more. I don't really go. I don't go over there. I mean, I don't, again, I haven't lost anything over there. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> most of my yeah. stuff is down here. So I don't know. I mean, I have some, we have some family there, but that's really the only reason why. Yeah. Um, used to work over there a little bit, but I, I traveled a lot, pretty much all of Michigan. And I knew where I was welcome and where I wasn't. All right. We, yeah, we have a map, right? A mental map of where we, where we can and will go and where we won't. And it's kind of wild too, thinking about like how, and up to a place I've never been, if I have to try to measure ahead of time, like how safe will I feel there? Some dumb things that you wouldn't think about that I think about, is it a big boating community? Because a lot of times boating comes with wealth, which comes with this, which comes with that. So it gets into like this weird chain of, you know, you don't want to stereotype anybody. But a lot of times you can see a correlation between like, these are your hobbies, this is how you live. This might be who you voted for. And we'll go from there. Would I rule that out? Absolutely not. But just something I think about like, okay, going around a bunch of really wealthy boat people. Who knows what I might hear? That is so interesting. And that just, I never would. Yeah. But also stuff just got way weirder in the last yeah. five years oh, than like it right, used to be. Right. Stuff got way weirder and way more obvious. Yeah. I feel like I'm hyper-focused. Like, right. yeah. People now say the quiet part out loud. And so <laughs> it's just like things, I don't know, things are different now than they were 10 years ago. Yeah, because people have chosen their sides, right? And so it's like, okay, if I'm on your side... And, you know, versus my side type of thing. And then there's the gray, gray area. So we go to the gray area and we're going to my side. But on your side, um, your side has told me I'm not welcome. It wasn't that I imagined it. You told me. You told me when you said a certain thing or you didn't say a certain thing, but your eyes do tell me that I'm not welcome. Yeah. Right. And so it comes to a level where I, I, I have forced myself emotionally into places that didn't even welcome me to say that I can be wherever I want. And then it took an emotional toll on me because you only take it to a level. And then when you're like, you're being sworn at or you're being um, bullied for things. And the thing is, is that I'm never going to take it off because somebody said something to me. Like you have to understand, you're not going to scare me 
into abandoning my faith and my belief. If I die in this, I will be a glorious, memorable death. I will think it was an honor. So I am going to, this is me as much as anything can be me. It's as, as me as my name is. So, so if anyone fear, you know, they, if they want to shoo people away because of the way they look or what they believe in, then you're only going to cause your thing because we are not going to abandon who we are. You can't abandon something that you are. This is an identity. And so I think that people who, who have hate and who don't like it have to question why they're in this country where it is diverse, where it is filled with everyone. Because there's no corner in the world you can go and hide in this country. We're, we're, we're coming. Like, we're here. <laughs> and we're, we've been here. And we're, and we're having children who are, who are here. Like, I always wonder, how is my child's American birth certificate any different, making any less American than another child's birth certificate that says they were born in America as well? Yeah. Like, what defines who is an American yeah. question mark, you know, uh, so or, 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 or period? For me, there's no difference. My, the passport, the, 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 the birth certificate, all say America on it. But yet some people feel that they have to um, make it great again or, or, or make it believe in something or be certain. Where, what? Like, it's just, I think everyone needs to sit with themselves and really realize which country they're living in. Because this country is diverse. It, you know, you can only hide for so long. Mm. Oh my gosh. Every time we do, we do these, <laughs> I'm just like, so on fire, just, I know things aren't going to change overnight, but I do believe, and I say this all the time. I think our kids are going to be truly our best effort. Like our, like the biggest thing that we can do. I know, like Nishu said, look inside your heart and stuff. And I think if you're already there, if you're a parent that is actively educating your children and, you know, getting them out there, like chances are you've probably had some conversations with yourself. And I think a lot of people, it's this generational thing, right? You grew up with parents that were racist and, but you have the ability to stop it. Like, because there's no, I, I would sit with, why do you feel that way? Why your parents, your grandparents, your ancestors perspective on black people or people of color is not yours. It's not your experience. It's not your lived experience. It's not your experience at all. These are all this is all information that's passed from generations to generations and guaranteed it's not even the truth anymore. It's like the, you know, it's a minimal amount. And so you're taking somebody else's perspective on something and, and making it yours. And I think there's so much that we need to look to really ask ourselves. It's even like, I don't want to, I'm not going to get into this, but politically, I literally had asked myself, why did I feel that I have to vote the way my parents do? Because that's how my parents voted. Because I thought my parents were the end all be all and knew all the answers. But as I started to think for myself, I was like, that just doesn't seem right to me and actually educating myself. So I think this is, a, this is a very similar situation. Really ask yourself if you have these bias and nothing has ever happened to you. Why? I think it's a great question to ask. I, I'm not perfect. Like I, you know, like even having this conversation about, you know, the being the only white person in the room while I've never out loud said it or been scared of it, it's more like, am I going to be accepted? Now, if I spin that as a black woman walking into an all white thing, she's probably thinking the same thing. So I say this in the sense that I hope when you guys listen, you walk away. And if one thing you do this week, why don't that person that you're in, you're friends with that doesn't look like you on the internet, why don't you reach out and invite her to coffee? It's one simple step. Or call your school and ask them to put a program together. Erica, Erica, you should be going around advertising this to everybody so they can find part of our plan for this year once we get our funding is to like make a start your own club kit. Yes. Yes, I would love to see that in my school. And I think that if, if that's the biggest thing that you walk away from, like, I, I, I hope that you guys walk, our goal is that you walk away with something actionable, not just hearing us speak, not just hearing the, you know, experiences and stuff, but experiences are great to hear because it gives perspective because they're out of their mouths, not somebody else's. It's from them. And so I think that's great. In the same breath, I want you to feel comfortable walking away 
saying, you know what, this week, the one thing I could do, even if you can't meet this, this friend for coffee, your internet friend or your woman, your friend of color this week, make plans for a couple weeks after Thanksgiving or make, make plans for another time. It doesn't have to be this week, but make the effort. And I think that is an important piece to it, right? Is walking away with something that's actionable because I'm guarantee, I guarantee that person is probably going to be really excited right. because I know if one of my black friends would be like, I will absolutely go to lunch with you. So I think it's, it's any, you know, any like Tom Keen, we've talked, we're going to get together for, um, I don't know. I think we're going to do lunch. Lunch actually sounds good. It would be even better if Tom Keen was cooking because her food is so good. <laughs> Your food is so good. But we're going to go somewhere else. But I'm excited. To, I'm excited to do that with you. And so I think that, that that's a huge piece. So anyways, I want to thank you guys, as always, for being here. We'll be back next week with another really good day. But make sure if you have questions, message us. Message one of them. I will make sure that their, their handles are in here. So you know how to get a hold of them, you know, jump over to Instagram, wherever you feel the most comfortable. I love utilizing voice messenger because I feel like it's so much easier to get across what you're trying to say, especially in situations like this, right? You're always afraid to, to ask a question or say something, but I think that people can always hear your intention or your heart when you actually voice it versus typing it out. So Anyways, we hope you, yeah, it's, it's always just a much better way, but we hope you have an amazing Monday and we will see you next week. Oh, have a great Thanksgiving too, because yes. I can't believe it's already here. I can't believe it. And again, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. Bye guys.